Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday morning. Must be time for another episode of the Next Cycle podcast, simultaneously recorded as a vodcast. Um, as always, we have a well, we have a lot I want to cover today. So, uh, real quick, the website thenextcycle.org. There you can find links to uh, the various platforms where the podcast is offered, as well as uh, links to our social media accounts and links to purchase the book. The next cycle, the foundational years, if you so desire. So, like I said, I have a lot I want to get to today. I want to try to um, bring this first season, I want to uh, call it a season, bring this first season t- uh, to a close. We've been focusing on religion, um, and and I know there are a lot of other aspects of the next cycle that I need to discuss Religion will always kind of permeate our discussions um, because religion is central to uh, a lot of people's lives, their belief systems. I use the word religion, um, uh, but I don't really believe in in organized religions. Uh, So, yeah. Um, But somewhere along the line, everybody's belief systems, whatever they may be, wind up being central to uh, any subject they approach. And um, as such, uh, mine are as well when I consider the next cycle and things that will change between this cycle and next cycle. I oftentimes view them, uh, view those changes in uh, uh, in relation to my personal belief system. So uh, I will frequently probably um, make references to different passages in the Bible or different themes in the Christian Bible. I do that not necessarily to promote Christianity, but um, to allow those uh, who might be listening who are of a Christian faith um, to to allow them a reason to continue listening. Uh, and just really to prove that what I'm saying really isn't that far stretched um, from what they may already believe. So, that being said, there's a lot I want to cover today. I want to cover the power of prayer. I want to cover the nature of evil and sin. We've discussed the nature of God. I want to discuss the nature of evil and sin. I want to discuss the dangers of religion and what aspect of religion uh, follows us into the next cycle. Uh, as you know, if you've been listening, that's the next cycle of humanity here on um, earth. That's a lot to cover. So, um, and it might not segue very beautifully from one subject to the other. And uh, we'll, we're all just going to have to um, get over that. Uh, it'll drive me a little bit crazy and it might make it a little more interesting to listen to. But anyway, so let's jump right in. The power of prayer. We hear about it a lot um, from uh, various religious people, you know, uh, uh, that if you pray, you know, uh, God hears your prayers, um, God cares about your, uh, your prayers, and God responds to your prayers. Um, here's the thing, uh, as you all know, I don't believe in a, uh, a conscious being that is divine. I don't believe in one conscious being that hears uh, the prayers of billions of people around the planet and decides which ones to answer positively and which ones to answer negatively. I just, I don't believe that. Um, I do believe uh, there is power in communicating um, to something that is beyond us. And so 
uh, you know, prayers, a lot of people, you, almost always you hear somebody that's uh, uh, experienced a, a miraculous healing and um, it's credited to the power of prayer. Uh, my wife and I have, um, excuse me, have attributed uh, the healing of our oldest daughter to the power of prayer. Uh, it's kind of important that we, that we discuss. So why are prayers answered? Why do some people have this firm believing that God heard my prayer and God answered my prayer? Well, part of it I see as um, the law of averages. Uh, if everybody prays, eventually somebody's prayer is going to be answered positively. Uh, but it's important to remember that um, while one person may be healed because, uh, uh, you know, one person that was being prayed for winds up healed, another person that's being prayed for winds up passing away. Um, for one individual that prays for a new career path, and, and gets it. Another person prays for a new career path and doesn't. Um, it's really, yeah, there, there's a law of averages. Eventually, if enough people uh, pray for the same thing, uh, some people are going to get what they pray for, and then they are going to very loudly proclaim that it was the power of prayer um, that got them what they want. Heck, people pray, you know, when it comes to football games and uh, you see athletes do it quite a bit. You know, they'll they'll pray before their game, and and when they win, they'll give the credit to God, and uh, when they lose, they won't put the blame to God, which is quite interesting because really you only want to promote uh, the positive power of prayer. You, uh, really, we only hear the promotion of um, when somebody has been healed by the power of prayer. You never hear the story of oh well, you know, I prayed for my mom to be healed and she wasn't. You know, uh, we only hear about the positive. In, in, in many aspects of life, that's, uh, that's the go-to. We just want to um, promote the positive. So I do believe, though, that at times, prayers can be answered. You call them prayers. Um, or a lot of people call them prayers. I call them, you know, communicating. Uh, what am I communicating with? Because, like I say, I don't believe in a conscious divine being. Um, there's a certain something, it's called the law of attraction. Uh, I read a book, um, there's a book, it's called The Secret. Um, it's kind of mumbo jumbo type, uh, you know, book, but it's good reading and I've read it. Uh, I actually read it a couple of times until I fully understood it. So what the law of attraction pretty much says is that we are in tune with the universe. We are connected to the universe. Um, and that makes sense when you think about it because every, um, every element that's found in the universe is found within us. Um, and, and so there's that connection. You know, we, we are born of the universe. We're born of the same stuff as the universe. Was it Carl Sagan? Um, maybe not, not sure that said, uh, or no, actually, it might have been, um, I don't know who the quote is attributed to, just know it's not mine. Um, Bill Nye, the science guy? I don't know. Anyways, uh, you know, you're made up of stardust, therefore shine. 
you are also made up of the dirt of, of, of dirt. So therefore remain humble, something like that. Not an exact quote, and I can't really attribute it. Um, but we are connected. We are made up of the same things that the universe is. The universe exists in us, and we exist in the universe. Um, it, that's just that, that simple. So the law of attraction states that um, when you tune into the universe, the universe is like a radio station. What you tune into, you receive. So... Uh, according to the law of attraction, when you put out positive thoughts to the universe, positive things come back. When you put out negative thoughts to the universe, negative things come back. You get what you tune into. Uh, popular televangelist um, Joyce Myers uh, uh, says, uh, life is like a camera. What you focus on develops. Same thing. Um, so when you focus your attention to the universe on the positive of healing, you know, and, and you are grateful in advance because you know that healing will happen. Um, so you treat it as if it has already happened. You express gratitude, thank you to the universe for this healing. And um, then eventually that positivity uh, has a chance to manifest itself. Again, I'm not saying necessarily it's 100%. But this is what the law of attraction says. Um, the law of attraction also says if you focus on the illness and the potential of death, then that's what will come. So you don't ask the universe for healing because that focuses on, on, the, uh, uh, on the disease or whatever it is. Instead, you ask the universe or you thank the universe for healing. That focuses on the healing, the positive. So that's a, a very basic idea of the law of attraction might explain some people's answered prayers. Um, me personally, uh, I believe that um, the spirits, the consciousness of our departed loved ones uh, continue to exist in the world. And I believe on occasion that they intercede on our behalf. Um, I consider them uh, the souls of, the, of my departed loved ones. You might consider them angels. You might call them gods. You might call them whatever. Uh, for me, it's the same thing. Quite frequently, I'll find myself talking to my dad. I'll find myself talking to my Aunt Sue. I'll find myself talking to my Uncle Frank. Uh, those are my prayers, I guess you could say. Those are, um, that's my communication. And that's what I call it. I, I communicate. I don't necessarily pray. I don't like the, the connotation that kind of comes with the word pray. I communicate. So, power of prayer in a nutshell. Law of averages. Some people are going to be healed by prayer. Some people are not going to be healed despite prayer. Um, law of attraction. You connect to the universe. You get back what you put out. Put out negative, get back negative. Put out positive, get back positive. Um, and... The souls of your departed loved ones, I communicate, and I believe they have the power to intercede on our behalf on occasion. To move on, like I say, no real easy segues in today because I got a lot I want to cover. The nature of evil slash sin. 
Um, I discussed very early on what I believe the nature of God is. I believe God is love. Uh, God is the energy force that exists between two people when love is present or between two um, or, or between a person and an object or, you know, between two animals, whatever. Love um, is energy uh, and, and that energy is what I consider divine. So if I had to uh, put a definition on God, it would be that energy that we call love. All faith paths um, offer an alternative to the divine. Uh, it's usually some form of evil. Frequently, uh, it is uh, the devil or Satan, you know, in Christianity. Of course, that's what we're almost um, uh, uh, most familiar with. So, you know, the uh, uh, and, and the devil is seen uh, kind of differently depending on Diff, uh, who you talk to, maybe. Uh, oftentimes, the devil is seen as a entity that is separate from God, uh, perhaps a fallen angel, uh, somebody that was at, or something that was at one time uh, in association with God that has fallen and now uh, personifies evil. And that's generally the the idea of um, the devil is that it's a personification of evil. And and I do believe, some people believe it's actually a dark part of God. And uh, that's going to be a far stretch for a lot of people to believe. Um, and, and uh, yeah, um, it's a far stretch for me to try to believe. Uh, because, again, I don't believe in God as a conscious being. I don't believe in the devil as a conscious being. It's always struck me as ironic Christianity promotes itself as monotheistic, but yet there is this being, this devil, that seems to have as much control over the world as God does. You know, you ask um, a, a Bible-thumping Christian, you know, why do evil things happen or why do bad things happen if God is good? Well, well, the devil makes them happen. So is the devil more, popu- more, more powerful than God? So God can't overdo what the devil causes to happen? You know, um, so really they give the devil, whether they want to admit it or not, they give the devil as much power as God. So there is as much power um, for evil as there is for good. Uh, and for a monotheistic belief system, that's kind of off. That's uh, actually very off. So me personally, uh, if the divine is the positive side of man, it's the uh, uh good side of man it is love um then the devil is the downside of man it is um uh, commonly referred to as the ego it's that part of us that is self-centered that part of us that um puts our needs above and beyond everybody else's um ultimately i would say uh, that this lower side of man, this ego, uh, ultimately is um, the point of sin, and that sin is apathy towards the suffering of others. Many people will think that hate is the opposite of love, but it's not completely. It's it's really it doesn't fit the definition completely. Um, the opposite of love, in my mind. And this was actually came from a friend of mine when he pointed it out. And I'm like, oh, my God, yes, that makes sense. Uh, the opposite of love is apathy to another person's suffering. So when you can see another person's suffering and not at least feel 
the need to do something to alleviate that suffering, that's apathy, that's, that's the lower part of humanity, that's our ego. Um, yeah, so there you have the nature of evil and the nature of sin. Um, and what I consider to be the personification of evil, often referred to as Satan or the devil or Lucifer or Beelzebub or whatever, uh, demon that somebody seems to want to um, uh, give it a name. Uh, the divine lives in each and every single one of us. The divine is love. And, and that is ours to share with the world. Evil lives in each and every one of us. And that is apathy. And we have the potential to... Um, project that into the world. So uh, you want to see a better world? Focus on projecting the divine. You know, it, it takes a little bit of practice because we are programmed for self-preservation and we are programmed to care more about our own preservation than um, another person's. And we are programmed to allow somebody else to suffer so that um, we may uh, survive. Um, you got to fight that programming because another person's suffering, uh, it, it should bring the divine out in you. And I hope it does. So we're going to move on. Like I say, no quick, easy segues. Let's talk about the dangers of organized religion. So when I talk about organized religion, um, I'm not talking about the name of a faith uh, I'm talking about um, the use of religion as a control mechanism. Religion has, throughout its history, regardless of... Um, all right, I'm not very familiar with the Eastern traditions, but let's, so let's stick with the Abrahamic traditions, uh, Judaism, Christianity, Islam. Uh, as a general rule, religions have been used as a method of control. Um, they are a way to control people. They are a way to control the many by the few. They are a way for a few to amass a great deal of wealth. Um, I spoke earlier in this podcast how I really feel like the Roman Catholic Church replaced the Roman Empire. Um, and uh, historically, I don't think that's a far stretch. I think it can be seen that as the Roman Empire started falling, uh, the Roman Catholic Church started rising. And where, uh, you know, the empire had an emperor, the Catholic Church has a pope, uh, senate, cardinals, you know, back, you know. So, and when you look at the work of, quote-unquote, work of the Catholic Church, uh, especially in, um, you know, the first, uh, you know, 1,500 years or more, actually, first really almost all the way up to what, mid-20th century? Um, the work of the Catholic Church was to subdue people, to convert people. Um, you know, they waged wars in the name of God, in the name of the church, you know? Um, uh, kings during the feudal systems, you, you know, it was God first, then king, you know, or, or the, um, you know, uh, king was king, he was named so by a religious leader. There was a religious aspect to um, feudalism. So 
this is where the dangers of religion, of organized religion, especially within the Abrahamic traditions, this is where the real dangers are. Because um, of, when religion is used as a form of control and a form and, and a way to amass wealth, what does that bring about eventually? Eventually, that brings about a great deal of death, doesn't it? And destruction on in the name of said organized religion. And I did a little bit of research. I wanted to look into um, what kind of death tolls can be uh, attributed to some of the larger uh, religious wars throughout um, history. So we have the Arab uh, Byzantine Wars. Uh, uh, the Arab Wars, also known as the Byzantine Wars, uh, lasted from what 629 to 1050 AD, from what I've read. Um, and you can estimate about 2 million deaths to that. Um, that would be the uh, uh, Muslim faith rising and battling uh, the established um, Christian faith. Uh, Muslims, uh, Islam rose um, during the 7th century, so during the 600s. Uh, let's see, we got, um, it's called the Reconquista. Um, it was where Spanish and Portuguese Christians battled Spanish and Portuguese Muslims. Uh, people of the same nationalities, the same heritages. These battles were strictly on religion. And, and so they took place between uh, 711 and 1492. Uh, so these battles lasted just about forever, um, overlapped generation after generation after generation. And it is approximated that 7 million people died. This is a war strictly on religion, strictly Spanish and Portuguese Christians versus Spanish and Portuguese Muslims. Brother against brother. The Crusades, very famous, very famous. Oh my goodness, the Crusades uh, from 1095 to 1291. Uh, it's, it's the dates that I managed to pull up. And I really only do very quick research. I just, I work for a living. I can't research for a living. So um, Crusades, uh, 1095 to 1291 from what I read. Anywhere from one to three million people uh, killed. The Huguenot Wars. Huguenot Wars um, uh, is pretty much uh, Protestants in France um, versus the Roman Catholic Church. Very uh, religious um, foundation. Uh, 1562 to 1598, 12, 2 to 4 million people uh, killed. Now, those are just talking about the um, recorded wars. We're not talking about um, the the... The uh, the damage, the the uh, the, the vile um, treatment of people that Catholics were trying to convert here in the United States. Saw a video recently. I can't remember uh, who it was. It was just floating around uh, Facebook. I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, man says that at one point, um, while the uh, Catholics were quote unquote converting the Mayans. Um, 5,000 volumes of Mayan writing were burned, uh, in a bonfire, uh, by a Catholic priest. A Catholic priest ordered that all these volumes be gathered up, thrown in a, thrown in a pile and burned. Um, think of the volumes that were lost. Think of, uh, you know, the Mayans had a great method of, 
connecting with the stars and understanding the stars. Um, and 5,000 volumes of their writings just destroyed in the name of God because the Bible is the only word that is worth reading. Um, you know, think about, uh, you know, how many of the Aztecs were, were destroyed. You know, get up into North America. Um, it's a popular TV show. It's a uh, spinoff from uh, the uh, uh, TV show Yellowstone. It's uh, 1923. And that shows... Uh, Catholic missionary school trying to convert Native Americans, indigenous people. And to the point where if you did not convert, um, you were beaten, killed, um, beaten to the point of death. Um, sometimes, oops, hit him one too many times, go ahead and bury him. Um, you know, anybody that I know, uh, older people at least, um, that went to Catholic school, uh, will tell the uh, tales of um, uh, the the nuns or, or the uh, school headmasters beating the children. Um, and you all have heard those stories as well, uh, of the knuckles being bloodied by a yardstick, you know, because somebody answered a question wrong or because somebody wasn't behaving in a proper Catholic manner. Um, so... The, the evils that have been committed in the name of God by religion, those in and of themselves should discount religion as a guiding factor in our lives. But for some reason, it's not. For some reason, and you know, this occurred to me recently. Um, I was sitting in church on Christmas Eve. I do attend Christmas Eve services uh, with my community. Um, and I got to looking around and I, I was looking at the, the large crowd of people, um, all celebrating, you know, the birth of Christ, the coming of God into the world, probably most, if not any of them completely unaware of the, um, violence that it took to bring that religion, um, into today's day and age. You know, we stood, we, we sat there and we, we, you know, celebrated the birth of Jesus the day before the birth of the Roman sun god, but anyways, um, and just completely ignored the fact that in order for Christianity to survive um, into the 21st century required uh, millions, if not billions of deaths over uh, the course of the past 2,000 years. That's a real danger of organized religion. Uh, organized religion being used as a method of control and a tool to amass wealth, which is really what most organized religions do. There's another danger to organized religion. Organi being being quote-unquote religious allows you to feel good about yourself. Regardless of how you interact with the world, if you go to church on Sunday morning, you get to say, hey, look at me, I'm in church, I'm a good Christian. And then, you know, the very next day, you know, you get on social media and share stuff about, you know, 
turning refugees away at the border, you know, let people die in their own country. We don't need to support them. What, you want me to feed these people that weren't even born in this country, that don't speak my language? But then you go to church and you're like, look at me, I'm such a good person. Bullshit. That's a danger of organized religion. Is that organized religion allows you to feel good about yourself despite your hatred for other people. What else does organized religion allow us to do? It allows us to justify judgment. Uh, I said it earlier and I read it. It's a quote. Uh, it says, you can safely assume that you have created God in your image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. You know, uh, so, so religion has been used to justify judgment throughout the years. Uh, clearly, um, pardon me on this, I don't mean it, I'm just sarcasm. Clearly, blacks are beneath us because um, white is godly. Therefore, we can enslave these people from Africa. Uh, we can take over their countries and, and steal their natural resources and enslave their people. Uh, very colonial mindset um, in the uh, 17th century, 18th century. Uh, nowadays, it's very modern to use uh, God to justify bigotry against gays or lesbians, the LGBTQIA plus community. I honestly don't know what it all means. But people can use God to justify um, their judgment of members of the LGBTQIA plus community. Uh, I'm not sure 100% if I told you this story previously. I got to debating somebody regarding the, um, uh, the rainbow flag. And their argument was that the rainbow was God's symbol that he would never flood the earth again. And it was wrong for these sinful people to be uh, using God's symbol um, as, you know, their flag. And, um, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't know if I told you this before or not, but that's really kind of bullshit. You know, hey, there are colors in the rainbow flag that don't exist in quote unquote God's rainbow, uh, brown, black. Um, there are, you know, some pastels, white is one of the colors on the rainbow flag. So it's a rainbow flag in name. Um, and also, you don't have a problem with another organization misusing God's rainbow. You know how I know? Because Lucky Charms and Skittles have been making millions of dollars um, for however long uh, using God's rainbow as a symbol. Um, so you don't have a problem with God's rainbow being used to make somebody's wealthy, somebody wealthy. You have a problem with God's rainbow uh, being used to make a, com uh, a group of people that you don't like feel comfortable. You know, it is so easy to use religion to cast judgment on other people, to subjugate them to our beliefs. Uh, uh, it's, what, it's what they do, you know. And so, so these are the dangers of religion. Real danger of religion is that it controls you and you don't know it. Um, you know, so when I was uh, studying um, towards my degree in Christian ministry, I honestly took a class 
about Christian worship where they taught us that by using certain music and certain lighting and adjusting the temperature just so that you can make people believe that um, uh, uh, they are more connected to the spirit. Uh, yeah, psychological manipulation. And sadly, those churches are growing. The churches that do that are growing exponentially. Um, those are the modern churches, it, you know, uh, they play the modern music so you connect to it better. Uh, they have air conditioning so that they can keep the temperature at a point where it can cause goosebumps. And you can say, oh, the spirit of God is here. Organized religion controls you and you don't even know it. In fact, organized religion controls you and you feel like... Um, you couldn't possibly be. It, you invite yourself to that level of control. You you go to the church and you say, control me. Tell me what I need to be afraid of. Tell me how much money I need to give to feel good about myself. Tell me all these things. Um, and religion does it, gladly. Money. Money. It is said in the Bible that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not that money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. I believe it. Because if you love money, you're not going to use that money to help someone else, are you? No, that's mine. No, that's mine. No, I can't give that. That's mine. That's mine. You know, you will, you will let somebody starve to death as opposed to giving up your money. Even money that's not even yours, it's imaginary. You think that, uh, anyways, I, I almost went off on a rant, but I have an outline, so I'm sticking to that. Anyways, uh, the love of money. The love of money um, justifies wars. You know, we go to war, don't pretend there's not profit to be made in war. And don't pretend that the majority of the wars that have been fought throughout history haven't been a matter of uh, um, accumulating wealth. We subjugate people. We enslave people. Um, the, the corporate executives are praised for how they climbed over everybody to get to the top, how they kick people down to get to the top. Because they love money. The love of money is the root of all evil. You cannot, Jesus said it, you cannot serve two gods. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot express love if you are serving money. Don't get me wrong. Please don't. Money is not evil in and of itself. Money can be used to do a lot of good. Uh, money can be used to feed the hungry. Money can be used to house the homeless. Money can be used to show love. But the love of money, you know, love of money. I pondered in an earlier episode of the podcast that uh, one reason religions are so adamant about converting people to their faith uh, is financial because all of the Abrahamic religions have some um, 
uh, writing that that uh, insists that their members give money to the church. You know, and generally that money to the church overpowers the money that was supposed to be set aside um, to take care of the needy. Because in uh, Judaism, in the Old Testament, you know, 10% of your crop was supposed to be left in the field so that the stranger, the foreigner, the foreigner, the foreigner, the one without legal status in your country would have something to eat as they pass through. But there's always that, that, um, that, that, that accounting for what you need to give to the church. Um, you know, let's look at the Catholic church real quick. Um, because here is a place where, um, the love of money has overpowered, uh, the love of people that's in, in the Roman Catholic church. Again, I'm not necessarily talking about small local congregations. I'm talking about the whole, the Vatican city has a net worth, um, that is approximated. There's a lot of secrecy. Anywhere between fifteen and thirty billion dollars. Um, we've seen uh, pictures of the gold throne that the uh, the Pope sits on. Um, you know, we we've seen golden scepters and incense burners, and we know, um, and that exists in just about every Catholic church. Um, so globally, I don't know if you could. Um, put a value on the Catholic Church on exactly if the Catholic Church were to cash out and give that money to the poor, you know, which which was a command of the person they claim they follow and they teach. Jesus said, you know, the rich man said, what, you know, what must I do to get in to, to experience the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, go sell everything you own and give it to the poor. Um, Catholic Church... <laughs> Do you imagine? Could eliminate poverty globally. We have the ability, even outside of religion, to eliminate poverty in this world. But we don't for the love of money. Sorry. Back to the Roman Catholic Church. Roman Catholic Church is estimated to have 177 million acres of land between its churches, its schools, its farms, just vacant land, 177 million acres of land. Let's, let's uh, compare that to something. I, I pulled up a, a secular uh, comparison that we might all associate with. Uh, McDonald's. There's a McDonald's on every corner just about, you know, there, there are McDonald's in every major city around the world. Uh, McDonald's is global. Um, and, and we all know that McDonald's grabs up prime real estate, right? Uh, you know, so on average, you know, maybe, uh, McDonald's, um, restaurant occupies, I think I read somewhere about 1.2 acres. Uh, and, and so we're not, you know, and, and then we can factor in, um, corporate headquarters, stuff like that. Let's not even forget the farms that are independently owned, but, exist only to feed McDonald's, but we'll leave that out. McDonald's restaurants occupy 47,000 acres globally of land. McDonald's restaurants, this big corporate conglomerate that we all know that exists everywhere we look, 
holds 47,000 acres of land. The Roman Catholic Church, 177 million acres of land. Can you imagine the value of the Roman Catholic Church um, in, in uh, the sense of dollars? Trillions of dollars. You know, enough so that no child should go to bed hungry. Enough so that they should be able to support peace initiatives around the world so that women and children don't die in war. So that men don't die in war. So that people stop dying in war. Trillions of dollars. The amount of good that could be done by the Roman Catholic Church that isn't is sinful for everybody is not only accountable for the evil that they did, but for the good that they did not do. And I don't say that's an accountable to God. That's an accountable within. That's your own personal accounting. When you look at yourself from outside, which, oh my God, not enough people do. When you look at yourself from outside, that's your accounting. You should be holding yourself accountable not only for the evil that you did, but for the good that you failed to do. And we all fail to do a fair amount of good, don't we? I'm getting pretty close to time on this. I'm at about 40 minutes. I try to wrap up, you know, then 45 to 50 minutes. Uh, Spotify limits me to an hour worth of recording. And um, I don't want to ramble forever. But I could. Again, don't get me wrong. I don't think money is evil. Um, I don't think living a comfortable life makes someone evil. I myself buy my lottery tickets every week because I would like to have the kind of freedom uh, that comes along with that level of wealth. I would rather obtain that wealth through the lottery than through the work of someone else. I'd rather have it be shit luck, you know, Rather not have to, uh, you know, invest in real estate and, and, you know, drain people's money and rent and stuff like that. I just, um, yeah, that's how I would like to acquire my wealth if I am to acquire wealth. So I'm not lying. Um, I, I do uh, look forward to the comforts that could come with great wealth. Uh yeah, money itself is not evil. It's the love of money that's evil. It's um, the love of money that, that keeps you from helping another person in need. And rest assured, um, and everybody says it, but I wonder how many people would actually follow through. Um, should I win the lottery, there would be a great deal of charitable giving. And that charitable giving <laughs> would not be to a church. I'm sorry. Um, I belong to a church, you know, and they need to raise money to keep their temple open and to pay their temple staff. Um, I would not be giving charitably to that organization. Um, charitable donations would be uh, external to the food bank, women's shelters, stuff like that. Anyways, Oh, what aspects of religion? Follow us into the next cycle. Religion as a method of control and a tool to amass wealth 
does not exist in the next cycle. It is uh, brought about enough destruction in this cycle that it just doesn't carry into the next cycle. And I believe the young people already recognize that. There's a big push to pull away from religion. Everybody will always, I imagine, have their belief in something greater than themselves. Those beliefs are personal. They are owned by you. And, and I have no doubt that in the future, people will congregate um, to share their beliefs, you know, those that share beliefs. They will congregate, though, in more of a gathering house, not a temple built for worship, um, but a gathering house where they gather in community. The religion in the next cycle will be um, fellowship. So uh, there's religion in the next cycle. Sadly, religion is going to bring about, in a big way, religion will be a big part of the end of this cycle. And that's where I'm going to close this because when I come back for season two next week, we are going to start talking about um, the change from this current cycle to the next cycle. We're going to talk about what makes it happen, what I believe makes it happen, and what the uh, transition period looks like. So that will be next week. As always, I am William Wilkinson author of the book, The Next Cycle, The Foundational Years. If you want to get a head start on what I'm going to start talking about next uh, in the next season, uh, get yourself a copy of the book and read it. Um, website is thenextcycle.org. You will find links there to purchase a book, links there to um, uh, various social media outlets, links there to the different platforms that this podcast is offered on. Uh, you will also find the videos. Uh, that are recorded while this podcast is being recorded. So, thenextcycle.org. Friends, the divine in me recognizes the divine in you. Um, let your divine shine. Let it shine to someone. Yeah? If I can leave you with one thought, you know, um, I don't believe in religious teachings as a way to tell you exactly what to do, but let me give you that thought. Um, let your divine shine. You know, hide that evil, hide that lower self and let the divine shine. Namaste, my friends. Until next week. <laughs>